BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Sixer Sense Podcast. Guys, the Sixers are up 3-0. How exciting is that? Very exciting. I feel good. I feel good. I got some good news, guys. You ready for this? So we added a new family member. We have a, a new puppy in the house. And uh, his name is, is actually, it's not named after one of the Sixers, but he does share the same name as one of our beloved 76ers. I'm going to give you guys a chance to guess the name of our new puppy. Lucas, what do you think the name of my new puppy is? I have two ideas. Okay, my first one, I think, is, is, is it Shake or Shakes? Nope, nope. Chris, your turn. George. What? George? Oh, no. Keep it moving. Uh, ben, <laughs> Ben or Benjamin? Actually, you're right. Hey, I thought you were gonna say Matisse or or Joel, but no, no, no. That would have been on purpose. That would have been on purpose. Oh man, you're good, man. Yeah, we we got Benny. We drove two hours to uh, upstate Pennsylvania and uh, hey. brought him home. He's a cocker spaniel. He's the, he's the cutest pup we've ever seen, and so we're we're getting ready for all the destruction that puppies bring. Awesome. Great news. Great way to start off the podcast. But Chris, I think it's time to just jump into it. Let's go. Yep. We're going to talk game three. Sixers up 3-0 now. A pretty dominant win on the road. 132-103 to in Washington. Um, 36 from Joel on 14 of 18 shooting. Some great supporting performances from Tobias and Danny and Seth and Ben. So uh, a lot of good from that game. What were some of your big takeaways, Lucas? Well, it was another dominant performance by the Sixers uh, overall. You had a great game from uh, Joel, 36 points, some major highlight reels, can't deny it. And then Tobias had a solid 20 points on 14 shots, great 13 rebounds, which is above his, well above his average. And then you had Ben Simmons, 14, 9, and 5, uh, nine, 9 assists, of course, 5 rebounds. Curry had 15. Danny Green had all 15 of his first uh, points in the first half. Fantastic. He looked like Danny Green from the Spurs back when he was in his prime. Dwight actually didn't look terrible in this game, which has kind of been like a hit or miss. Uh, surprisingly, Matisse Thibel did not have any steals or blocks in this game. That was kind of a surprise. And uh, probably the best bench player in this game, I would have to say, is George Hill. 
you know, overall, it was a great, you know, collective play by the starting five. I thought they played great. They played great defense, even though Russell Westbrook had his first good game of the series, first triple-double, I believe, too. Held Beal to 10 of 26 shooting from the floor. And, I mean, outside of Rui Hashimura and Daniel Gafford, the the rest of the role players didn't do too much. So, I mean, it's a good collective win. I think at this point we've unfortunately learned that the Wizards just aren't, aren't a very good team. They don't match up pretty much at all. So it's it's been a pretty easy three games so far, Lucas. Um, this was Embiid's career playoff high, 36 points. He did it in under three quarters of basketball. Again, really strong night from Ben, who was 7 or 10 from the field. Tobias had 20. And you mentioned Danny and Seth, who both lit it up from beyond the arc. How surprised were we, though, that the Wizards were never really in this game? This was the biggest margin of victory yet in this series for Philadelphia, despite it being a road game in D.C. Sixers fans travel, Chris. That's why. Yeah. So what what were your thoughts there? Sixers fans travel. I remember seeing one tweet, and I forget if it was – I think it was Derek Bodner of The Athletic. I think he tweeted – it was either him or somebody else, but I I believe he tweeted they might as well have had the road – the game in Baltimore so the Sixers fans would have saved 45 minutes on their trip. (laughs) I was like – but it's true, though. I mean, (laughs) Washington fans did not show up in the way that we expected. Now, maybe we didn't hear them as much because they didn't really have a shot at all during this game, but – you know, the Sixers fans travel, and that bodes well if we meet, for example, the Nets in the conference finals. Now, if we met the Knicks in the second round, that would be also be a you know probably not in Madison right. Square Garden, uh, but yeah, um, Philly fans aren't going to fill up MSG. Yeah, but we're but, also but, not. But, but not Barclays, Barclays maybe. Yeah, yeah Barclays is different. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Chris, let's shift gears, and we're going to talk about Game Four. Let's do some uh, betting odds on the next game in terms of stats. So let me ask you, Chris, would you go over under on a beat having 30 points in game four? I mean, I'm going to say under just because I don't think the game will be competitive for very long. Okay, I got you. Uh, Uriah, your, your thoughts? You want to jump in on this, bud? Sure, sure. I, I think he will have over 30 points just because he's been so efficient. He gets to the line and... He, I think he scored 30 points even before a fourth quarter has started. So if it is tight and the Wizards are playing with pride and they want to go the distance, at least for this game, Embiid might play a little bit more than, than 30 minutes. So I say over. I, I say over as well. I think that the Wizards are going to come out with their haymakers. I think Joel's going to dominate early like he did in this first uh, in game three. I believe he had like 28 first half points in game three, something like that. I, I, I'd have to double check the stats, but I think that was the highest he's ever had in the postseason. And it's 36 points is a career postseason career high as well. Jumping to our next stat here, guys, and Chris, you answer first. Ben Simmons, over under 10 assists. I mean, I'm, I'm going to just be kind of boring again and say, like, the math would favor under. That doesn't mean he won't do a lot of good things, but 10, ten assists is a lot, so I'll I'll say under. I would say over simply because the way that our perimeter shooters have been scoring, Ben seems to be very determined to get everyone involved, and I mean everyone. So I, I think he'll he might come away with 12 or 13. What do you think, Lucas? 
I'm I actually am gonna agree with Chris. I say under, and it's because he's only had one game and double digits assist, I believe, in this series. Is that correct? Or did he have more than ten in game two? No, I think you're right. I think he had yeah, nine so, in the first one. No, he had fifteen in the first one, like seven in the second one, and then nine oh, okay. in the third one. Something like that. I have yeah. to double check, but yeah, no. So I'm gonna say under. Uh Danny Green, over under five three pointers. <laughs> Again, it's just like math tends to favor under. Like he has a great game. Probably not going to shoot five of nine again. You know, and, you know, the scales will balance out. So I'll I'll say under. I don't think the scales balance out until we face Atlanta in the second round. If assuming <laughs> the the Hawks win that series, because it's looking to be the case. Um, I'm going to say over. Uriah. I go with Chris on this one. I think he's going to cool off. I think he might get three or four. Why do you think he's going to go over? Because I saw a prime Danny Green again, guys. That's why. I saw a prime Danny yeah. Green, and that doesn't disappear. And just, I mean, I think when he's in the playoffs, I think he's dialed in. Over under four steals for Matisse Thibel in this game, guys. Again, he's only playing 20 minutes a night. He's not going to get five steals every night in 20 minutes. Um, so, oh, under. I would say I probably should have made this three and a half to make it a little bit more realistic. I'll say under. I think he'll get maybe two or three. I'm going to say under as well, too. I'm, I'm going to say two. So fi- final one in terms of over-under. Tyrese Maxey, 20 minutes over-under, guys. Well, game three, he passed Shaken Furcon in the rotation, and the Sixers had a blowout going into the fourth quarter, which – theoretically would have set up garbage time minutes and he played 11 minutes so i'm, I'm gonna say under yeah i'm gonna say under as well i think he definitely brings a spark but i just have a feeling shake is due for a big game i think this next game is it i'm gonna say under as well it just doesn't feel like doc rivers completely trusts him yet in the rotation so i'm gonna say under so fi- final prediction here, guys. We're going to switch over from over-under, and we're going to go to final score for game four. Final score, who do you guys have winning? Chris, go first. Breaking news, Sixers fans. This public service announcement is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped Work with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure that your family jewels are as safe as possible. What makes this trimmer so different than other trimmers? First, a new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock, created for people who like to travel. Next, the optimized Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Did I mention charging? The Lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And now, back to the podcast. Sixers, something like 120 to 100 maybe. I go Sixers, 115, Wizards, 97. I go Sixers, 110, 
Wizards 101. I think the Wizards are going to try to make this a close game. Well, we're going to move on now and talk about Joel Embiid and some of the buzz around his name lately. Uh, we all know Embiid is a pretty big wrestling fan. He has used celebration from the West, from the wrestling world in the past. He's most notably been doing the hip thrust thing lately, which I believe has its origins in um, wrestling. And it has gotten the attention of some pretty famous wrestlers, Triple H and Shawn Michaels being those two wrestlers. Can you clarify which one? He's like emulating with the yeah. They, they they do a DM. They they were a tag team partner and they did this signature okay. move when they walked in. It was like a what okay. was their tag team called? Your eyes like the DM? Not not DMX. DA, DX. I think it's DX. DX. I'm not yeah. I'm not a big wrestling fan. Neither to am just I. Be honest with you. I just know that here's the thing, Chris. Yeah, I looked at both the accounts of Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and whatever tweets they put out, they might get a couple hundred. If it's really hot in the wrestling world, they might get a thousand. But check this out. Triple H retweeted uh, something that Joel Embiid tweeted out uh, a few days ago. He got 24,000 likes and over 4,000 retweets. So Triple H is definitely paying attention to what Embiid's saying. It's just like a mutual respect thing. And Shawn Michaels... His boosted exponentially too, so that that's the backstory there. So some backstory for uh, now: the, these guys were in their primes in the early to mid two thousands. Now Triple H is the um, not not the head guy, but he's the face of WWE, and um, Shawn Michaels is retired. So just some backstory story on that as well. Okay. Yeah. So Lucas, do do we think they ring the bell at a future playoff game? I mean, if Joel Embiid wants it, he'll get it. That's that's how good he is right now. If they want to, they ask Joel if they can. I'm sure Philly fans would love it. I'm sure WWE fans would love it. That would be something that both the NBA and the WWE could capitalize. I don't see why it w- wouldn't happen if they wanted it to. Whether or not they want it to is completely something different, which I don't have the answer to. That would That would be huge for the Wells Fargo Center. Because they they host so many different venues and events mm-hmm. between concerts, obviously WWF and wrestling. Uh, I don't think they do too much boxing, but obviously the Sixers. So I think it's a big deal that they're paying attention, and for Embiid to to garner that, and for them to be riding on this this big bandwagon that I think people are paying attention to. I think it's special. I agree, and, and guys, just what in your opinion makes Embiid so so endearing to the fan base? I think for me, it's it's the fact that first off, he comes. His story is unique. You know, he didn't start out, you know, putting people on posters as soon as he kind of came to the NBA. He had to work through injury, work through the death of his brother. He came from literally, you know, nothing in you know on another continent, and he came here and he made himself who he is. He's barely he started basketball when he was what 16, 15, 16 guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he. I mean, he loves Kobe. He's a. He's a funny. He's the most entertaining big man since Shaq. <laughs> Let's be real. Agreed. He's the most ent- entertaining big man since Shaq. He's the best show since Shaq, which is saying something because Shaq is the ultimate. Sh- uh, uh, him and Magic Johnson are the two Showtime players of the M- in NBA history when it comes to like personalities. I would say, him and Magic were completely different in how they do it, but you know. Joel probably is the most entertaining big man since Shaq, and you know Dwight had his moment, but Dwight was not near Shaq level anyway. So 
And the fact that, you know, I think a lot of people connected with him when he did have his breakdown after that game-winning shot by Kawhi Leonard, because I, th- I think that showed that he was human and that he cared. So that's that's why I think it is. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Lucas made a good point. He has a unique story. He didn't grow up playing basketball. I think he was more of a volleyball player, soccer player. That is player. correct, yep. He just seems so... I think the word I'm looking for is authentic. Mm-hmm. He he wants to do his best. He's not so serious. I mean, you, you, if you juxtapose him and Giannis, completely different players. Yes, Giannis has a sense of humor, but he's so all about business on the court, and he's flexing, and he's showing his rip muscles, and he's it just Giannis grilling. would be more like Kobe, and yeah. Joel is more like Shaq. I get where you're Exactly, from. exactly. So I think that that personality that he shows, the fun side – can resonate with fans. What is there not to like about him? And unless you're obviously not a Sixers fan. Or <laughs> Andre Boston Drummond, uh, Andre Drummond yeah. or Hasheen Whiteside. Or, or, or Russell Westbrook. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think I, I can honestly say that Joel Embiid brings me pure joy when I when I watch the Sixers. The first shot that he ever made, the first article I wrote for the website was about Embiid. And the opening paragraph of my intro was about his spin move back to the basket against Oklahoma City, of all people, with Westbrook. He's just a fun guy. He's just a likable guy, and I think he deserves it. I think him and Ben, with everything they've been through, the ups and downs, I I think he deserves it. And and I think he's a very likable person and an outstanding player. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I agree with what both of you said. He's just jovial and fun to watch, and... I presume be around everyone in the city loves him. Everyone in the locker room loves him. He clearly is very dedicated to the Philadelphia fan base. He certainly understands how to how to service the fans and play to them, which is part of it. I mean, he's also just really freaking good at basketball. And generally <laughs> yeah. speaking, mm-hmm. when a superstar comes along and drags a fan base out of a pretty dark place and is really fun to watch. Um, he, he tends to resonate with the fan base. So he, he there, there are so many factors, many of which you guys touched on, but I, I do think he's just a special person and a special player in, in the right city for him and his personality. Let me say one more thing, Chris, before we move on. So I was fortunate enough to, to watch uh, Iverson, and I, I think, Lucas, you caught AI toward the end of his career. but I, I caught him right after um, he got traded to the Nuggets. That's when I really okay. started following But he was, still relevant. he was yeah, still relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because him, him and uh, – let me tell you something. If they had a better if they had a better coach – and I'm not saying anything bad against Car- – uh, was it ever? George Carl. Carl. George right. Carl. But he did not utilize that. They needed a point guard, a playmaker to go along with him. Right. They didn't have that. But right. Anyway. Right. So like I was saying, so so Iverson, his whole approach to life is I'm imperfect. I try to be better. I fight to the end, nail and tooth. I lay it all on the line. I leave it all on the floor. And who cannot, I mean, if you don't respect that, then you clearly don't know sports or basketball. So AI has this endearing effect about him and it, he'll always have that. But Embiid is something different in that when he raises his arms at center court and the other team calls a timeout because they went on a 8-0 run and Embiid was the main factor of that, there's an electricity 
that just trans it goes from from the court to the arena through the television and to anybody sitting on their couch. You cannot avoid the infectious nature of Joel Embiid. And I think AI had that, and I think the torch has been passed. I, I will say this. I think you've touched on something really good, and I don't I don't want to waste too much time. because No, no, really go for it. it go for it. I will say this. I think what you're describing, AI mm-hmm. had the heart or the soul of Philly, mm-hmm. and Joel has the heart of Philly. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can see that. I Whereas, can see that. like, you know, AI was like the, the hardworking, like, you know, the pull. You, you, both of them pulled each other out from their own respective, you know, issues before they got to the NBA. But, like, Joel Embiid is the loving, fun part of it, and AI is like the real life, the, the hard right. part of it. And I can see that. You know what I mean? I'm trying to make that comparison, but I yeah. think we should go ahead and move on because yeah. we have some really good, other good content to talk on here. Yeah, so we're going to talk about some recent praise that Embiid has garnered from other corners of the basketball world. We'll start with Dirk Nowitzki, who was interviewed by NBC Sports's John Clark. He said, quote, Joel is a no-brainer that he'll be in the Hall of Fame at some point if he can stay healthy. Dirk City sees shades of Shaq and Hakeem and Joel and he said quote all of the best centers that have ever played he's got to rank up there Lucas do do you agree with Dirk's praise there yes and no I agree that he has Hakeem's footwork and some of his post moves and I believe he has Shaq's physical dominance but Dirk left off somebody he left off himself guys Joel's step back jumper one-legged jumper looks Dirk-esque like that. I haven't seen a player do it as well as since. It's very similar. It's yeah. Very similar. So I, I would put Dirk up in there because I think he, he stole that from Dirk's game. Uh, you know, just incorporated it his own style, which is he has a little bit more of a guard feel when he does it, you know, slower, which kind of reminds us of Dirk. But he has. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I would say Dirk, you have to throw Dirk in there. And I agree that if he becomes, if he stays healthy, yes, he will be in the Hall of Fame. Because I think he will get an MVP. And I think he will um, win a championship at some point if he stays healthy, either as the number one or number two. In a very concise statement, I think Embiid will go down as the most skilled big man ever to play in, in my lifetime. And I've seen a lot of big men play. Shaq was dominant physically. Hakeem definitely had the footwork and the defensive tenacity to, to protect mm-hmm. the paint. But Embiid can do it all. He, he can do mm-hmm. it all. And it's inspiring. It's it's mesmerizing. So, yeah, I I, I agree. I agree. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with him. Obviously, Embiid's more than talented enough to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's much better than several players who have made it into the Hall of Fame recently. So he, he's certainly on that path. And we can just go to the competition. Wizards head coach Scott Brooks also praised Joel and said, quote, he's about as good as they can possibly be at that position. I was fortunate enough to play with Hakeem Olajuwon for almost three years, and he's doing things I haven't seen since then. So that's coming from the guy who has the game plan against Joel Embiid every night this series. Um, you know, a, a head coach in the league who's been around for quite a while in Scott Brooks. Lucas, what do you, what do you think about those claims? He's seen it firsthand. He knows. I mean, there's nothing else really to say. I mean, he, he's been playing against him. And 
let's just put it into perspective. That three-man rotation at center uh, is probably better than most, you know, starting and backup center combos in the NBA with the three-man rotation that the Wizards have. Or at least it would be in the average range, if not slightly above average, because each guy brings their own thing. Joel is demolishing them. Like, Danny, Daniel Gafford's getting his offense because he's he just dunks the ball, basically. But they can't stop him defensively, and those guys aren't scrubs defensively either. They're average, if not slightly above average. So it's crazy. But, yeah, no, I yeah, I agree. I had the opportunity to watch Scott Brooks play for the Sixers. Before he went to Houston, he played with Barkley. I think they played in the playoff series against the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken. And Scott Brooks, was a, he was a nice, scrappy player. Uh, and then he got traded off to Houston. I, I can't disagree with him. He definitely saw Hakeem up close and personal through games and practice. Uh, it's it's no question that Embiid has picked the brain of Olajuwon and spent time with him studying some of his moves. So so I, I, I completely agree with what Scott Brooks said. Yeah, I mean, look, Embiid, again, is probably a top 10 player in the league right now. He, as we've said, has stolen moves from all sorts of great players. Kobe, Dirk, Hakeem, Duncan, you, you name him. He's probably studied their film and worked hard to, to implement aspects of their game. So yeah, there's really no arguing with it. He he's one of the handful of best centers the league has seen this century, and he will continue to rise up that list as he continues to play. Hopefully, so there, there's no argument for me. All right, cool. So let's go ahead and shift gears real quick. Looking at the other series in the playoffs so far, which is the most competitive, in your opinion, Chris? Well, I mean, we only have two that are really seem competitive right now i i guess the clippers and, and mavericks we're recording before game four tonight but i i think clips and mavs is going to be pretty competitive down the stretch but i i think the answer here is denver portland i think they're the most evenly matched given denver's shorthandedness in terms of jamal murray being out obviously the blazers have some pretty talented guards in lillard and, and mccollum and powell and, and that's not something that denver's defense is traditionally great at shutting down and then, you know, Denver has the MVP in, in Jokic. So I, I think that's the most balanced and competitive series. I think it's going to go seven games. Phoenix and L.A., you know, is also tied 2-2. I think now that Chris Paul looks healthier, there's some a chance that Phoenix really makes a run here. But I, I think Denver Portland's the answer. I was tempted to say the Mavs and um, Mavs and Clippers. But actually, with AD going down with that uh, groin injury and Chris Paul looking healthy again, I'm going to say Suns and uh, Lakers. Yeah, no, I mean, healthy Chris Paul, non-healthy AD, you know, it, it could be, it's a toss-up at that point. So I'm really excited to see how that series turns out. So that that's it for me. I think the Blazers' lack of defense is going to catch up with them in this series eventually. Uh, and I, I got it. I got the nuggets coming out of that one. But Chris, what series hasn't matched your expectations this thus far? I don't know if there's one that has really blown me away. I think I kind of expected L.A. to have its way with Dallas, so that's probably my answer. Obviously, the Mavs came out of the gates just shooting lights out, and they, they have through three games. been like a 50% team from beyond the arc. Luka's Luka. He's probably one of the five best players in the league already. They're, they're doing work, 
Um, I, I still honestly think the Clippers are going to come out of that series, but Dallas has made it much more of a toss-up than I anticipated. There's, I mean, they're up 2-1, so there's a very clear path to Dallas winning that series. So I, I think that's been the one that's kind of surprised me the most. I think everything else has kind of gone to expectation so far. I don't think anything's really surprised me. I'm going to say the Knicks and Hawks series. I had the Knicks winning that series, and they the lack of offense, especially the lack of offensive production from Julius Randle, has been mind-boggling. I just, I, I guess, I mean, but nobody expected the Hawks to play that good defense against the Knicks. So I I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'm going to say the Knicks Hawks series. The Knicks were a pretty brutal offensive team all year. Yes, but they they rode the back of Julius Randle, and he has he's been a non-factor. How could how could neither one of you mention the Milwaukee Miami series? What is oh, the, that's what a good well, the, because that's it's that's over that's already. Right. It's over. No, but it, over. it should have been it's more over. competitive, don't you think? Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, that should have gone six or seven games, but it didn't. So that was surprising. No, so yeah, you, you make a good point. A good team, Miami was barely over five hundred for most of the season. The they made the finals better. last year, Chris. They made the finals last you year. You know what happened? You know what happened, Uriah? They lost Jay, Jay Crowder. That's it. That Jay Crowder made the <laughs> yeah, difference. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Okay. That, that's, well, that's why he's on the Suns now, you know, it's my former the team. There's COVID. Right. And the Bucks are better. They the Bucks did better. get a lot better. They did not get better. And they, they, they figured out how the guard band, just make him an outside shooter like they did to Giannis. <laughs> Yeah, no, you bring up the Bucks Heat. I think that's a fair one. I didn't. I wasn't considering them because the Bucks already won it. Um, I was thinking still active series. So I mean, it's a toss up I mean, for look, me between those two. Then. My expectations were Bucks and five. That was my pick. So four uh, isn't much of a difference. Man. All right. I'm so you're right. It's your time to shine, my man. Okay, for the social media question of the week. It was associated with the Sixers moving on. Should they sweep the Washington Wizards tomorrow night? The question was, in the next round, actually, it was a, more of a challenge. See what people thought with their comments. In the next round, tell us who you'd rather play and why. And obviously, it would either be the Atlanta Hawks or the New York Knicks. So let's go to Twitter. Matthew, at MattWheel00, he got the most likes. His response was New York because their offense is bad and the team would not have to fly, which is an interesting take. And let's go to Facebook. I'll read a couple threads. And check it out, guys. A lot of people are high on the Sixers right now. If you look at some of the top Facebook groups, almost over 100 responses throughout on three different groups. A lot of people are saying it doesn't matter. So that tells you how bullish they are on the Sixers but we have Dimitri uh, Dimitri Cross says doesn't matter neither of them can match up with us Raman Golden said something interesting he said the Hawks will get us prepared for the firepower going to face in the Eastern Conference Finals Ooh. that's interesting Okay, that's, that really makes sense to me because um, mm-hmm. you have a potent offense with Trey Young and, and, and the rest uh, John Polk says it doesn't matter. Tat Money says too many weapons. Uh, another person doesn't care. Joel Doozy says Knicks, so we don't have to travel that far. We're sweeping either way. Atlanta, Knicks play us better. That was from Zamar's Yashahala. 
Chris, who would you rather play? Even though we know the Knicks are up. Oh, or yeah, yeah. Down. Anyone who has watched this series should probably know the answer, right? You'd rather play the Knicks. But if by some act of God they win the next three games, I think that's obviously the more preferable team for Philly. They just don't have the firepower to match up with Philly's defense. And I, I don't think the Sixers would have too much trouble scoring on them, frankly. Um, Atlanta is a much deeper team, a much more top-heavy and talented team as well. Trey Young has given the Sixers problems in the past. You know, that kind of offense with a quick, you know, lightning rod point guard and shooters and lob threats in the middle has given the Sixers defense probably more trouble than any other kind of offense has. So I think they're built to really, you know, challenge Philly defensively. Um, I I think the Sixers would still win that series in five or six games probably, but I, I think Atlanta's a much better team. They're certainly not the Wizards, um, so it would be a pretty serious jump up in com- competition. But yeah, you, you should rather play the Knicks in, in a hypothetical world. Chris is right. Yeah, the Knicks, but it's not going to happen. The Knicks are, are going to lose this series. This the game. This game was the final nail in the coffin for the Knicks. Even if they go back, they might get one more game in New York, but it's it's done. The, the Dre Hawk, Trey uh, Young has just own them and he's he's a playoff performer and honestly that that uh was right playing against the hawks would prepare the sixers more for the um the nets or or the bucks honestly at this point because the bucks look look like they could push the nets but that's another conversation for another day um so yeah i mean and the other thing that we got to consider here is that clint capella might be one of the few centers that might be able to bother joel just a little bit yeah, I so, agree with that. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, this series, if we do play the Hawks, which it looks like we are, will be the Matisse-Thibault coming out defensive series. Because if he can slow down Trey Young, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, he's he's going to be in conversation for Defensive Player of the Year for years to come. He's not going to get it this year, but, you know, because Ben's, Ben's not quick enough to guard Trey Young. That's one of those matchups where – a quick twitch point guard is too fast for Ben, so you have to play Matisse on him. We saw with De'Aaron Fox, it's going to happen in that series. Um, by the way, Derrick Rose looks like prime Derrick Rose again. I'm very happy about that. I just wish it was on a winning team. <laughs> that being said, um, yeah, no, it's it's probably going to be the Hawks, but I think the preferred matchup would be the, the Knicks. But I think, Chris, do you want to play us out, man? Yeah, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Six Descent Podcast. Wherever you are listening on Spotify, iTunes, etc., please leave a review. Give us a five-star rating. It would really help us out. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We'll take it all into consideration. And just stay tuned. We have some exciting topics coming up in the near future. More playoff basketball, presumably. If this Washington series gets wrapped up quickly, um, we can look ahead to the second round, perhaps. So there's a lot coming up. So thanks for listening, everyone.